Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it's finally Friday, the end of the week. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. This is Fans First Sports Networks, Steel Curtain Networks. Here we go, the Steelers show. Wow, that's a mouthful. And sharing that with me is my good friend, KT Smith. What is going on, coach? Brian, good to be with you as always. Uh, Friday is always a great day. Early, this is the first day of summer vacation for me, so I'm excited to have a, a little bit of time to relax and step back from the busyness of my normal schedule. So it's all good right And it's going to be all black and gold in the summer. And I know uh, the Steelers are going to have uh, maybe a, a few weeks off now that mandatory minicamp is done, but there's so much to talk about. And you could hear all of that here, including the voice of KT Smith and myself on Steel Curtain Network. If you did not get a chance to check out another great episode of Let's Ride this morning, you're missing out. Jeff Hartman, it is a signature show, and we have not had a chance to talk about this last week, but Kevin, did you get a chance to hear the special edition on Saturday of Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman talking about the uh, the sourced rumors about Chase Young? I know that's uh, that's a week off now, but did you get a chance to listen to that show? Yeah, and that was a great scoop by Jeff. And uh, he, uh, he he's starting to, to build a little momentum for himself there as a, a, a newsbreaker. That's pretty exciting and great for the, the network, too. Yes, fantastic. Jeff does a great job. Uh, we'll just make him due to the week early. We'll just say Jeff's due to the week because <laughs> of that. But, you know, great stuff. And uh, you heard that kind of stuff here first. Whether that stuff happens or not, it's something that uh, our inside source was able to give to us. So, uh, you know, it's great news. Great to have that. And that's the kind of stuff that you're going to get here on Steel Curtain Network. So make sure you check out shows like Let's Ride every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you want entertainment, we have what Ian's talking about on Thursdays. So if you did not hear that yesterday, another really fun episode from those guys. We've got the Scobro show without the throughout the week. There's so many things. There's going to be Things this weekend to listen to over 20 original shows every single week and that's in the off season man so we don't take time off so you might have some time off in the summer kevin but i hate to break it to you you might have time off from your regular job but here at steel curtain network at scn you're gonna be busy man it's a labor of love bry labor of love I love it. Let's talk about that labor of love and let's talk about what's going on in the wide receiver room for our Pittsburgh Steelers, our men of steel, our heroes in hypocycloids. Kevin, this is a very interesting room because if you pulled fans around the league or just media, they would probably say that the Steelers have an average wide receiver room. But do you beg to differ on that? So it's an interesting mix. I think it's clearly better than last year. If I can back up for one second, I, I think one of the one of the storylines coming out of OTAs and now minicamp is has been about the passing game. A lot of talk about Kenny Pickett's development. That's a subject that's been well covered. A lot of talk about the offensive line since that's been revamped. But you don't hear as much about the wide receiver room. And the Steelers, they didn't make any significant additions to the wide receiver room. No, no, no big splash names. And, and for one of the few times in recent memory, no draft picks to that room, but they did tweak it and they get a player back. Calvin Austin, the third, who is essentially like a, a free agent or addition or a draft pick. 
So they have a really interesting mix. And I don't know if people are sleeping on the wide receiver room because it's hard to say exactly what we'll get out of it. But I do think that it's deep. And that's that's pretty exciting. When you look at the depth that they have, they're probably going to carry six wide receivers. And they're going to be six guys who can really play the game. And the question, of course, then becomes, which six? Uh, there's probably nine possible candidates, and we'll get into all those guys. Uh, but I think I think they're much deeper than they were last year, and Pickett's development will certainly aid in their production. We are going to talk about all of that Pickett, how he's going to lead this team. We are going to talk about who those six most likely are, who's the leader of that group, and then some. We're going to do that when we're going to take a early break here, and we're going to be right back here on Steel Curtain Network's well, you know what it's called. It's Here We Go, The Steelers Show from Fans First Sports Network and SCN. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. All right, we are back on Here We Go, the Steelers show. We took an early break, so what we're going to do is we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the wide receiver room, and we are going to go one to six and then some on this and also talk about Kenny Pickett's role in the maturation of this group. So the first guy that we got to talk about is Deontay Johnson. And my first question for you, Kevin, is this. Is Deontay Johnson the definitive leader of this group? And is he essentially the wide receiver one, WR1? He's as close to WR1 as the Steelers have from a talent perspective. And when you look at how they prioritize targets, he's unquestionably wide receiver one. I mean, he's he remains one of the most targeted wide receivers in the league. And I suspect that while his while that number will go down this year, I don't I think his targets will go down, he'll still remain the guy. That, for example, they put on the bed of three-by-one sets uh, as the X receiver, the guy that you're trying to get isolated in man coverage or in one-on-one coverage against other teams because you think, you know, he's your he's your best guy. He's certainly the Steelers' most skilled receiver from a, a route-running perspective. And his game needs, needs work in certain areas. People have acknowledged for a few years now that he drops too many balls and that he doesn't, at least last year, didn't create enough explosive plays. He didn't score any touchdowns. So there's definitely room for growth. But I don't think that there's any question 
that he's Pittsburgh's number one receiver? Well, the wide receivers still score touchdowns. And if it's not Deontay Johnson, it's going to be someone else on that team. But Deontay Johnson's production last year, well, set the Steelers up for those touchdown passes to other players. Is that something that we are overlooking as fans and media? Yeah, I think Johnson sometimes gets uh, overlooked a little bit as to his importance. Again, he didn't make some of the the chunk plays or explosive plays last year, but he was very integral in in moving the chains. If it was third and five, third and six, and the Steelers were in a passing down, there was a pretty good chance that he was going to get open. When you watch the All-22 film, one, one of the things that you get to do in my position, breaking down all these games to, to write film rooms and things like that. You get to look at the all 22, which is the eye in the sky uh, cut of the film. You just see how open he often is. And, and sometimes Kenny Pickett didn't get him the ball because of a, of the pass rush or, or Pickett looking somewhere else on the field. But Deontay Johnson's probably better than any receiver on the Steelers roster at simply getting open. And Matt Canada gets a lot of criticism for not scheming guys open. And I think sometimes maybe the Steelers rely a little too much on uh, Johnson's ability to, to separate from coverage, especially in short spaces, but he's just really good at it. So uh, I think again, man, there's a lot of value in what he does between the twenties and that's not the sexiest stuff in the world but it's incredibly valuable. He's a, he's a guy who moves the chains and there's a lot of value in that. There definitely is. And my problem here is the fact that I think there's a lot of criticism on a guy like DJ. And it kind of reminds me of Juju Smith-Schuster in his last couple of years. There was a, a year that Juju had 19, excuse me, 97 catches. And he had a lot of catches. He did not get into the end zone a lot. He was a little bit. And a lot of people thought, well, he is no longer the number one guy. He's always going to be a number two. But you kind of need this to be a unit. So in the days where where we had in the past, there was a definitive wide receiver one. Is that necessary in the NFL anymore? Because you don't need Antonio Brown catching almost 150 balls and having 1,500 yards when nobody else is doing anything. Get to spread it around. Yeah, and I think the Steelers are built that way. They're constructed so that the football uh, is going to go to a lot of different areas of the field and to a lot of different receivers. And I don't, I think it alleviates the need for a true number one guy. I mean, obviously, it's nice to have those types of receivers. If you have a Stephon Diggs or a Justin Jefferson, you're going to be better for it. You're going to get them the football. The Steelers certainly did it when they had Antonio Brown. But but what the approach Pittsburgh has taken is essentially to build a deep receiving core. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way that they want to conduct their offense. They're going to want to run the ball first. They're going to want to uh, run to establish the pass. And in doing that, the value of a number, a true number one receiver isn't as great as if you were taking sort of the opposite approach where you would pass to set up the run. So Johnson is really good in that structure. When you get defenses focused on defending the run first uh, and, and you can kind of get them into focusing on run fits, it opens up a lot of passing windows. He's really good at finding those windows, settling down in those zones. 
And the Steelers also have built a, a good enough receiving core around him where they have the complementary pieces for his game. So, yeah, I don't I don't think that they need uh, a guy like an Antonio Brown to be effective because of the depth of the unit. Well, let's talk about the other wide receivers here. And there's so much to say about Deontay Johnson. But George Pickens, a lot of people think that he is the number one guy and should be the wide receiver number one. Now, you just mentioned that in the Steelers offense, that's not typically the way that they are built. Are the Steelers doing a disservice to the the skills of George Pickens? Are they wasting some skills here? Well, that question will be answered by what happens this year because he's not wide receiver number one because last year his route tree wasn't developed enough to be able to do that. I mean, Pickens predominantly ran nine routes, vertical routes, uh, and the Steelers like to get him the ball on, on fade balls and back shoulder fades. He didn't attack the middle of the field very often. Towards the end of the year, he started to you started to see him run the post route a little bit more. He he caught a post for a touchdown against the Raiders in the final minute that uh, essentially won that football game. But his they limited what he did last year. Now I don't know if that was by design because they're very conservative uh, on offense, especially in how they structured their passing game, or if it was because he wasn't yet there as a receiver. He wasn't yet. You know, he didn't quite understand the nuances of route running well enough for the Steelers to feel comfortable developing his route tree. The big, the answer to your question as to whether or not they're doing him a disservice will be uh, revealed when we see what how they use him this year. I, I would, I would love to see them use him to attack the middle of the field more, use him in the play action game more, uh, get him, get him out of uh, his role outside and put him in the slot at times where I think that he can be a matchup problem for teams. So, yes, I'm very interested to see how his role grows. If we're sitting here eight months from now and we're still talking about George Pickens running the same route tree, then that's either a reflection on their inability to take advantage of his of his talents or his inability to develop his own route running. So, you know, TBD on that question. Do we as fans... Do we as fans and even the media overvalue George Pickens? Do we think that he's more than what he actually is? I don't think so. I George Pickens last year caught more passes of 20-plus yards by a rookie than anybody over the last five years other than Jamar Chase. So that's pretty good company. But again, to answer that question, we're going to have to wait and see how things play out this year. You would think that with Johnson doing what he does, really good possession receiver who can run every route in the book and a guy that if given the opportunity has proven that he can make explosive plays, you, you, you compliment him with Pickens on the other side of the ball. And then you do what the Steelers have done on the interior of their offense at, at the tight end position and the addition of Allen Robinson, presumably in the slot. And Pickens is going to have a lot more opportunities this year than he had last year. And so, again, we're going to have to wait and see how the Steelers use him. But I think his value, the tr- his, his real value, remains to be seen. And uh, I, th- I, I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, believe we've seen the best of George Pickens. Absolutely. I agree with that as well. Now, let's talk about Ellen Robinson, who you just mentioned, Mr. Robinson. 
if you remember the old Saturday Night Live days with Eddie Murphy, I always think of Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. And how much traffic do you think Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood is going to get in Pittsburgh this year? Or do you think that his days are behind him? Another good question. So, so many of these are questions that are hard to answer right now because you don't know the plan exactly. When I think about the way the Steelers are constructed on offense, I wonder how how many opportunities there will be for Allen Robinson because I'm not sure how often the Steelers are going to really be in 11 personnel. So 11 personnel, again, is one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. It's been Pittsburgh's base formation for over a decade now. They ran. They were in 11 personnel around 75% of the time last year, which is a fairly high number for the NFL, but a lower number than, they, than they've been in, in recent seasons. And I really expect that number to fall down to around 50%, because I think what the Steelers have done at the tight end position, investing in Darnell Washington in the draft, bringing back Zach Gentry to pair with Pat Fryermuth, gives them a lot of combinations at the tight end position. So it'll be really interesting to see how often Robinson does line up as the slot in 11 personnel. So if he doesn't get a ton of opportunities, I don't expect him to have a ton of catches this year. That doesn't mean he's not valuable because I think one thing we've already seen, especially with the reports coming out of minicamp is his leadership and how valuable he's already been as a mentor to some of the young wide receivers because the Steelers do have a young wide receiver room. And many people have already remarked on how the veteran presence that Robinson provides is valuable. So again, I don't think he's going to be a guy who when the season's over, we track his value in numbers. I think it may be more so in the impact that he makes on some of the other receivers on the roster. Back about 10 years ago, when the Steelers brought in Jericho Cotri as a free agent, he was the kind of guy that you knew was he wasn't going to be here long. But he also had 10 touchdowns his first season with the Steelers, and he was a very significant wide receiver addition, probably one of the better free agents that the Steelers brought in that nobody talks about. But my question about this is, do we think that Robinson is going to be that Jericho Cotri type guy? I'm not talking about catching 10, but is it reasonable to say that if you get four to five touchdowns, out of Robinson and the leadership that you just talked about, that it is a big addition. Yeah, it's a pretty good comp for him. I mean, it's a different situation because the steel, when Jericho Cotri was brought in, the Steelers were throwing the ball a lot. It was Ben Roethlisberger's prime. They were uh, a real pass heavy team. They were probably 70% pass at that time. And so Cotri's numbers were going to be bigger than, than Robinson's will be simply by the nature of the offense. I suspect the Steelers will try to be not, it's not like something that you like map, like we have to be like this every game, but I suspect that by practice, they'll wind up being closer to 50, 50 in terms of their run pass ratio, which means less opportunities. And when you, when you rank the receivers in terms of the targets that they can expect, the best Robinson can expect would be to be fourth because Johnson's going to get more targets. Pickens is going to get more targets. Fryermuth is going to get more targets. And then now Robinson's going to have to compete target-wise with other players like Calvin Austin and Najee Harris gets a lot of targets out of the backfield. So if he winds up being like the fifth most targeted guy, <clears throat> how many and the Steelers are, are, are running the ball 50% of the time, then how many targets can he really expect? So again, 
I don't know if we can compare him production wise at all to Kotri, but I absolutely think we can we can look at at how the addition of Kotri at the time when the Steelers had some young star receivers is very similar to what they're doing with Robinson from a mentorship standpoint. And I think the locker room addition is probably the bigger piece of the puzzle here than the production on the field with all of those guys needing it balls. Like you said, there's a lot of talent in that room and Allen Robinson does not have the ego that some other players would like, I mean, it's a completely different position, but this is not a Melvin Ingram, the third situation where he is going to be complaining about how many, targets that he gets so i really think that this is a fantastic addition i love it and they still fleece the rams for it (laughs) for sure and again you can't underestimate the value of veteran leadership i really think that it's important i really don't think that the the intangibles of like culture work ethic the ability to teach young guys how to prepare i think that those intangibles are Uh, not stressed enough because they're hard to evaluate. We're not in the locker room. We don't see them. But when you hear people talk about the impact that a guy like Robinson is making, then that's where you're really seeing his value. Absolutely. Let's talk about Calvin Austin the third. Now you mentioned him earlier in the show. I love to call him Austin 319 because I'm a wrestling geek. (laughs) And so off of the Austin 316 joke, I really wanted him to get that number, by the way, I thought that would be cool. And I, I, I even told him that I said, you need to switch his num your number. Cause I had an interview with him earlier in the year and he, he laughed at that. I thought that would have been great, but this guy is, he's a humble receiver, but what you're hearing from him right now, what you're hearing from the veterans that he's uh, that jokers got speed was the words of Patrick Peterson. So that's something to get excited about, but it's in pads that we need to worry about not in shorts so how much does a player lose in speed in pads um i think that that's a complicated question only because there are variables there as to why a player would lose speed some of these guys are you know track guys who are fast on uh on the 40 but not as fast on the field and that doesn't really have much to do with simply putting on the pads. A lot of time it has to do with knowing your role and your insurances in, in what you're doing and how you're playing. I mean, sometimes guys don't play as fast because they don't know their uh, routes or they don't know their responsibilities as much. They're thinking too much. We, there's an, an, you know, an, a coach is saying here all the time that a slow mind equals slow feet. That when a guy knows exactly what they're doing and, and, and what to look for, they can play fast. And so also the scheme, the routes the Steelers give Austin to run will determine the speed at which he plays as well. Some routes are more controlled routes. Like, for example, if you're running a dig route, a dig route is about a 14-yard in where traditionally you burst vertically for about 12 yards and then you make about a two-yard cut to the post like you're running a post route and then you square your route off and work towards the middle of the field. And when you when you square that route off and now start working towards the middle of the field, you have a lot of reads. You have to read safeties. Is the middle of the field open? Is it closed? If the middle of the field's open, you're going to work more to the middle. If it's closed, you're going to slow down so you don't run into that safety who's sitting in the middle of the field. And, and I don't think the Steelers will give Austin those types of routes to run. I did hear 
uh, I think it was Pickett, who said, hey, Austin can run every route. He can run the whole route tree. But if the Steelers want to maximize his speed, then they'll let him open up. They'll let they'll give him routes where he can run full speed horizontally, like jet sweeps and bubble screens, or they'll give him vertical routes, like nine routes and post routes, you know, goes and posts, where you, you let him open up. Or they'll give him crossing routes against man coverage, where he can run away from a one-on-one defender and, and just accelerate as he goes across the field, as opposed to crossing routes versus zone coverage, where you're doing a lot of reading and it slows you down. So it'll be a very, very interesting question to see what route tree the Steelers give Austin and whether or not it maximizes his speed. That'll determine how fast he's playing. So let's go ahead and look at the remaining contenders. So we think there's going to be six in here. One might be a special teamer, a la Gunnar Olszewski. Then you have other guys like Anthony Miller in the mix, Cody White. Who are you looking at for five and six? So. Gunnar O still has a lot of value as a special teamer, and he did a lot of dirty work for the Steelers last year. Again, when you go back and watch their film, you see him used a lot as a blocker. He's and and not just like a blocker on the perimeter. The Steelers are in bunch sets, and they got Gunnar Olszewski coming down inside and blocking linebackers, and he's doing it willingly. And that's that's the kind of stuff that. Not every player has it in their DNA to be able to do, especially at the wide receiver position. So he's a valuable return man. He's a good jet sweep guy. The Steelers liked him on jet sweeps. And he's willing to block and and sometimes block in the box. And when you put those things together, he's going to be hard to beat out. Somebody else is going to have to be willing to do all those things. Now, if Gunner O is five, a guy who also does those same things, but just with a much bigger body is Miles Boykin. He's another guy who I thought provided a lot of value to the Steelers last year as a special teams player and also as a guy that they like to use sometimes as an athletic tight end uh, in their offense. Now, neither one of those guys caught many passes. I think Olszewski caught five, and I don't know. Boykin may have caught less than that. I don't remember off the top of my head. But – but between uh, Johnson, Pickens, Austin, and Robinson, and then the tight ends, they're going to get plenty of production uh, as far as catching the football is concerned. So whoever fills out those five and six roles, they got to be able to play special teams, and they got to do the dirty work. And that's going to make Gunnar uh, Olszewski and Miles Boykin the, you know, the guys to beat for those two roles. So what about number six? So we talked about a Cody White, possibly. We talked about, of course, Anthony Miller. Who am I missing here? Because, there, well, there's one that we're missing, and he's he's showing up in uh, minicamp. He's looking really good in minicamp from reports, and it's Hakeem Butler, a guy that I absolutely love here. Yeah, so my money's on Olszewski and Boykin to be five and six. If somebody's going to unseat Olszewski, it's probably going to be Miller because – he can play in the slot, and that's really where Gunnar Olszewski plays. But Miller just hasn't been able to stay, stay healthy. He just doesn't seem to be able to to. You can't really rely on a guy who you don't know if they're gonna they're gonna wind up on the on the IR. And yes, Butler, he's a big body. Butler and 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 Boykin, I think, are competing for one job. Those two bodies for one job. Right now, I think Boykin's got a leg up because he's got a year in the system. He's an NFL veteran. He's already proven 
that he's a tough guy who can do a good job on special teams. Uh, Butler's a converted tight end and a, and a real big body, and maybe he'll do all those same things. I think that the preseason games uh, and the training camp with the pads on will be a, a real proving ground for Butler as to whether or not he sticks around. Very good. I think that kind of wraps the wide receiver conversation, but we got to go back to the quarterback, Kenny Pickett, from year one to year two. Everyone's talking about the jump that he's hopefully going to be making on the field, but he's already made a huge jump, and it's in leadership. And it's leadership that we actually saw as a rookie last year with Kenny Pickett, but do you really feel that he is so much more of a leader to this team and he is going to elevate these wide receivers? Yeah, I think he's going to master that part of the game for sure. There's already been a lot of conversation coming out of camp, the interviews, et cetera, about you know how comfortable he seems to be in that role already. So I have zero concerns about Kenny Pickett as a leader. He's always struck me as a confident guy and a guy who is well-liked by his teammates. And those are two huge aspects of leadership that a quarterback must master. The bigger issue for Pickett will be like his development on the field. So Mike Sullivan, the quarterback's coach, was being interviewed the other day, and he said that one of the things that the Steelers are really working on in the minicamp is Pickett's ability to develop within the pocket, just to, just to be better uh, at – Sullivan used the phrase climbing in the pocket, and which is a term that means when the pocket is sort of collapsing around you, can you find a little bit of space – which, where where you can keep your eyes down the field, your shoulders square, move up, move over, one step up, two steps over, it, the drills that the quarterbacks do a million times by the time they get to the NFL that will allow you to stay on schedule, meaning uh, be able to continue to read the progression of the routes and, and maintain the integrity of the routes, as opposed to you feel that pressure and now you bail. And that was really where Pickett was last year. He bailed out of the pocket a lot. And now the integrity of all those routes break down. You know, routes are drawn up against certain coverages for a reason. And, and you like for the quarterback to stay in the pocket and let the routes develop because you generally feel if you've called the right route against the right coverage, somebody's going to come open. But when you bail out of the pocket, it kind of becomes a fire drill. And, you know, Pickett showed last year that he could make some good plays off schedule when he was out and improvising. But that's not where the big plays often occur. The big plays often occur by hanging in the pocket, letting routes develop, and eventually finding the open receiver. And so that really seems to be a point of emphasis from Mike Sullivan. And ultimately, I think that's going to determine Pickett's growth in year two, is how well will he play from the pocket? So I so I love what I'm hearing from a leadership standpoint. We'll just have to wait and see where he is from you know, in, in terms of his his uh, quarterback play on the field. That sounds great, Kevin. I love hearing this. I love hearing about the leadership potential of one Kenneth Shane Pickett. I really think that this is going to be a big jump for him. And if he gets a big jump, then you're going to see receivers elevated as well. It's time for us to get on out of here. Kevin, what do you have coming up this week? I know you have another episode of The Call Sheet that came out just yesterday on Thursday. Fantastic episode. What do you got going on? Yeah, the call sheet this week was about uh, the importance of football in, in American culture. And it stemmed from a conversation I was having with a parent at our high school graduation who 
asked me if I felt like kids had gotten soft today. And, uh, and it sort of, it sort of led to a broader conversation about the value of doing hard things and how playing football is a hard thing. And it's one of the few things that we haven't tried to make easier. And it has great value for both young people and, and obviously, uh, you know, people who stay with the sport for a long time. So we talked about that on the call sheet. And then uh, for the website, I'm working on a, 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 a kind of reading between the lines article where you, you take these quotes that are coming from coaches during minicamp where they try not to say too much and, and try to uh, discern what they're really saying. So that'll be kind of the article, like reading between the lines on some of the uh, quotes coming out of minicamp. Fantastic, Kevin. Well, let's uh, go ahead and put a wrap on this one. We will talk to you next week. Yeah, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get one more in. I'm going to, I'm going to be in next week. It'll be two weeks from now. All right. Brian Anthony Davis riffing solo, ladies and gentlemen. Solo (laughs) guitar. (laughs) (laughs) Playing Eruption by Van Halen. Oh, that's good stuff. And if you heard that little noise I just made, that was me uh, trying to do my own uh, mimicking a guitar. But I am definitely no Eddie Van Halen. Gosh, you grew up with Eddie Van Halen just like me. Wow. Heck yeah. R.I.P. Eddie Van Halen. Oh yeah, just a legend. Well, all right, let's let's do it. Let's get on out of here. Kevin, I appreciate you as always. Make sure you check out Kevin Smith on the call sheet on FFSN, the NFL feed, and also make sure you check out all your Pittsburgh Steeler needs on Steel Curtain Network and BTSC Behind the Steel Curtain. That website still exists, so check out Kevin's work on there as well. And all of us here that you hear the voices, you can also read what we do. So thank you so much. We cannot do these shows without you. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. We ask you to do one thing and do it well. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for those hypocycloids. Like